Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We're going to start learning about the ways of the kingdom of God through a series of teachings known as parables. If you go to where you listen to your podcasts, you'll find in episode 36 a short presentation on what parables are and how we can engage with them. And now we're going to explore the first one that appears in the Gospels. We'll be reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 3 to 9. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. On the surface of this parable, we have a simple task that the whole crowd in Galilee understood. It was an agricultural discussion, a farmer doing what he does every single year. There were farm owners and farm hands in the crowd. There were people well-versed in sowing seed and reaping grain in return. Through the story Jesus was telling, they would have felt the strain of the farmer's labor. They would have shared the hopeful expectation of a harvest in due time. They would have felt the disappointment of plants that didn't have roots or were growing among the weeds. They would have shared the farmer's joy with the multiplied crop. It was a nice story and one that was in every way real and relatable to the crowd before Jesus that day. But that last sentence would have caught them all by surprise. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. There was something in the story that Jesus wanted his audience to catch onto, but the crowd appears to be scratching their heads a little bit. Why would Jesus tell a story about a farmer and some seed? Who is the farmer? What is the seed? What does it matter if it grows or not? We also see here that it's not just the general public who are missing the point. We're told in this passage that even the disciples, the ones who had been up the mount with him and knew his authority, even they were not sure what Jesus was getting at either. But to the disciples' credit, they actually ask him about it. And the response to their questioning comes up as we continue to read. Let's look at verses 13 to 20. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, 
But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. This is one of the few parables of Jesus that comes with a clear explanation. The more preferable option, of course, would be that the disciples would catch on a little quicker, with other members in the crowd showing signs that they were catching on as well. But that wasn't to be in this case. Thankfully, Jesus has more to share when the crowd disperses and the disciples are more focused. The farmer is unnamed, but is sowing seeds which are identified as the Word of God. Essentially, this is the message of the Gospel. It is the offer to come under the universal reign of God's kingdom rule. And at the time of Jesus speaking, he alone was the sole farmer. Later in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul would describe himself and his contemporaries as fellow sowers of spiritual seeds. The master farmer is clearly Jesus. But as disciples under the Great Commission, we also bear the call of the farmer. However, the biggest portion of the story And the part that demands a response from the crowd is when the seed hits the soil. The seed in this story will never change because God's word does not change. It will always be faithful. It will always carry the same DNA within it. It will always be active and ready to grow, provided it can find the right soil. With this in mind, Jesus speaks of four soils and four outcomes. The disciple who embraces the kingdom way as told by Christ is called to be one of these and not the other three. And as a result, the disciple will see the right outcome. The first place where seed falls in this parable is a pathway. Today, we think of a pathway as a concrete or asphalt structure, which is not really soil at all. Back then, it was a parcel of land that had just been well-worn and heavily trodden over time. For example, if you go bushwalking, you'll have a path to follow, not because it was paved, but because it was simply trodden into place to a point where plants won't grow again in those patches. People can be a little bit like that too. Sometimes we can't receive the word of God because life has trampled us down and hardened us. It can be hard to see the possibility of becoming truly free. It can be hard to see ourselves as a person of value to God. Some people have done so much to their conscience through their choices that they become numb to the damage and the hardness of the soil of their life. Sadly, in this sort of ground, seeds are nothing but bird food, and there will be plenty of figurative birds that will be perched and poised, ready to aggressively steal that seed away. But the hard soil of our heart does not have to stay that way. Even in that pathway state, you are invited to ask the Lord to minister to where you are at and soften you. Ezekiel chapter 36 speaks to a downtrodden and defeated nation who once knew God, but were now far away from him. In verse 26, we see a great verse about the work of God in them. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 
calls us to break up the hard and fellow ground of our hearts and allow the Lord to rain his righteousness upon us. Friend, if you've become well-trodden in life or have become resistant to God, then you need the work of God to soften you again. And the Lord is on hand to do that to anyone who will ask. I'm also of the belief that you are not alone in this experience. The testimony of many Christians is that at one point they were hardened and resistant to the approaches of God. But there was a time where that changed and the seed of the kingdom eventually took root. The second soil is the rocky one. Seed that sits in a rocky soil will definitely sprout and even grow to some extent. But it won't be stable in the long run, as the rocks will stop its ability to really develop its roots. It won't be nourished, it won't get water, and it won't stay put when the harsh elements of the weather come in. Psalm chapter 1 tells us that a person who is immersed in the instruction of God is like a tree planted by water, while a wicked person blows away like chaff. Jesus explains here, that a follower who is soft enough to receive the word of God but doesn't remove the rocks will sprout up nicely, giving the farmer a sense of hope, but will end up having no roots. Friend, if you are a believer, you need to develop good, strong roots in God's word. And if rocks remain in that soil, they will become anchors that you'll begin to cling to instead of God. The rocks will weaken your roots. And that does not bode well for the plant that's trying to grow. It's interesting that Jesus names persecution as the cause of these rocks in this parable. And this is because sometimes persecution will cause you to question the things that anchor you. When we value the voice of the crowd rather than the voice of God, we will make them a rock and we won't allow God to be our anchor. When we want to remain popular to the world, When we want their positive gaze more than the affirming presence and holy endorsement of God, we will have made our rock in them and not found an anchor in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 6 describes our faith through Christ like this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. The word of God in rock-free soil develops a plant with deep roots, and that sort of soil becomes the most stable type you'll find. The tree that grows in that soil with the deep roots it has becomes a far stronger anchor point in life than any loose worldly rock we happen to cling to. The third soil is the one where thorns are present. Any gardener will tell you that you want weed-free soil for optimal plant growth. And in the semi-arid region of Galilee, where the things they grew were for their food and trade, this was absolutely vital. Weeds growing in the garden are competing with the wanted plants for the life force of the soil. They are both looking for its nutrients. They are both seeking the water that it stores. And weeds have a nasty habit of winning the battle, if not kept in check. Unwanted weeds and wanted plants cannot cohabitate on equal footing. And if you're a serious gardener, you'll know this to be true. As we explore Jesus' explanation of his parable, 
we see that in the soil of our hearts, a similar point is true. The worries of this life and the unhealthy love and attraction of wealth cannot cohabitate with the word of God. Jesus has already said this. When it comes to God and money, we simply cannot serve two masters. One will always be loved unconditionally, while the other will be despised without reason. We've seen in other episodes how it is scripturally okay to provide for family and earn wealth and enjoy the fruit of earning finances. But we also know that those things can become noxious weeds if we allow them to get out of control in our lives. When it gets that bad, the weeds will take over with hostility and the plant that sprouts from the word of God will remain small and unproductive because the soil is working overtime feeding the weeds. Friend, our challenge here is to treat the Word of God like our nourishment, our well-being, and even our economy depends on it. And if we have that attitude, we will be diligent with the weeds. And finally, there is the fourth soil, which Jesus is clearly directing his listeners to, the good soil. What makes it good? Well, that's been touched on already in this parable. The good soil of our heart is soft and not trodden down. It has become soft because we have asked the Lord to do something fresh in us. The good soil of our heart is rock-free, so the seed can grow into something with stability in and of itself within us. The good soil of our heart is thorn and weed-free, so other things are not competing for our energy and focus. And because all those things are in place, the good soil of our heart becomes productive with the seed that is sown. The final verse here shows that the crop is a multiplication of the seeds that were actually sown. In other words, the farmer is expecting the crop to produce more than he sowed. This may defy logic in some ways to a casual gardener. One seed should produce one plant, but a farmer knows better. A plant that grows to maturity provides more seeds. These are seeds which are intended to be sown giving a perpetual result from what Jesus himself sows in us. So let's reflect a little here. In Jesus' early ministry, there was an interesting phenomenon occurring. An audience was building, and a rabbi was emerging as a very popular teacher in a place where the regular rabbis weren't quite cutting it with the locals. There was this fascination with a radical and revolutionary teacher of the things of God. But the crowd had not crossed the bridge to become disciples just yet. At this stage of the game, this emerging congregation, if you like, had population, but not revelation. Too many Christians live their faith out this way even now. They make up the numbers, but don't take up the call to discipleship that a parable like this calls for. I think the big issue is that we simply want to hear with just the one set of ears and avoid getting into deeper waters with how we understand the kingdom of God. But I wonder if you can hear the Spirit of God speaking to you in your current space as you consider this passage. I hope you can, because I believe He will be reminding you of the invitation that Jesus is making to those who would follow Him. We are all invited to a life which is productive for God's kingdom. The seed of the word of God is sown in us. 
And if we're good soil, this seed will grow into something stable and strong. Eventually, that stable plant will be able to reproduce after its kind, giving the seed first sown a perpetual result. So friend, is that sort of Christian expression evident in you right now? Good seed, in good soil, producing good things. If the answer is no, then the parable calls us to ponder four reflective questions about ourselves. First, what parts of our heart need to soften up? Second, what rocks are we clinging to as anchors in place of Jesus? Third, what weeds are competing with Jesus in our lives? And finally, what elements are halting that productive growth that God's seed should be producing in us? As you reflect on those questions, perhaps we could conclude this time with a prayer that goes a little like this. Jesus, here's my heart. Sometimes it's a little bit hard and trampled, but I ask you to soften me, Lord. I reject the rocks and I won't cohabitate with the weeds. Instead, I will open my heart to the seed of your word, and I will be faithful with that which grows in and from me as a result. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page, and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.